0: So, I want to, you know, last Sunday after church, I pulled Nathan aside. I said, Hey, I, f- I feel like I've got something just starting here in, in terms of a word, something that he had shared last week that just sort of, you know, sparked in me a little bit. And I said, Hey, are you willing to try something here? And so, all week long, Nathan has been getting a message ready. And all week long, I've been getting a message ready. And we called each other the other night and said, Okay who's going to run with this, right? And so, you know, by faith, both of us spend time this week and, and by faith, believing that, uh, that God has something uh, through our time together this morning. So, I want to start, I want to talk with you this morning, and this is not my normal for those of you who, who, who don't know me. I, I'm not a big, like, I like to keep messages pretty lean and mean. Um, but this one, I want to start with a story this morning. I don't know, I got to turn this on. Right? This is now what will ultimately end up being sort of the third conversation that we've had around this particular core value, this idea of that lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Right? And so Nathan has talked about this a, a couple of times now since we've started the new year. And so today, this is really just throwing another log on the fire, so to speak. Uh, as part of this this same conversation. And so I want to start out in in a little bit of an unusual way. I want to start out with a story from Australia. Uh, This goes back a a couple of years, September of 2015. That that is just such a wonderful illustration of, of some of the things that we've been talking about. So this is the story about Chris the sheep. Okay, and so this is... Uh, this is a real story. This is not. I mean, you, if you Google it, there's a Wikipedia page for this. I mean, this, is, this was covered by the BBC. This was covered by news outlets here in the U.S. I mean, this got really widespread coverage, which is, I don't know what that says about things, but this got, like, global, global press coverage, okay? So this is Chris the Sheep. Uh, between five- and six-year-old male Merino Sheep. So merino, right? Merino wool, right? Merino wool sweaters, merino wool suits, some fairly high-end wool. And so there was uh, Chris got discovered, right? He had started out as part of a flock on a small farm in Australia, and, and wandered away Got out of the sheep pen, disappeared, couldn't be found. Right? And so four, five, six years—they're not exactly sure how long he's out just sort of wandering around, doing his thing. And so one day a hiker is out and sees the picture on the left and was like, what the world is that? Because <laughs> it's actually moving, right? He's sort of like, you know, just enough to be able to tell that this thing is alive and moving, it's real. And, and so that... You know, person takes a picture. They go back and, and to make a what could be a very long story at least a little bit shorter. They call sort of the Australian SPCA. I don't know what that's. You know, it's got some other acronym to it, but and so they call and and they go um, and they pick up Chris and they brought him back to a, like a sanctuary, right, where they tend to um, animals who. Uh, just needs special treatment, needs special care. And so uh, when they brought him back, he was in pretty rough shape. Merino sheep are supposed to be sheared at least once a year. Right? And so this poor sheep had gone five, six, again, they're not exactly sure, five or six years without being shorn. Literally nobody tending to this poor guy. He's just wandering around, out on his own, a lost sheep. And so there's a part of this that is sort of funny, right, when you look at this. I mean, it's almost silly. So when they finally got Chris back to the sanctuary, now normally to shear a sheep, a male sheep, I did a surprising amount of research on this this week, an experienced sheep shearer, And the guy who ultimately ended up doing this is, like, a world-renowned, like, there's, like, championships for this sort of thing in Australia, okay? So the guy who ultimately did this is a four-time champion sheep shearer. So a job that would normally take five to eight minutes from beginning to end, the first cutting took more than 45 minutes after they had given Chris anesthesia. Right? They did to knock him out in order to do the first shearing. And so on the left, that's literally him upside down as they're starting. On the left is what the first shearing that came off of him was. And so at the end of the day, they removed 90 pounds, 89.2 pounds of wool from Chris. And again, you'd think that was super cool, right? They, think they estimate volume-wise that would be enough to make 30 sweaters, men's sweaters, like my size guy sweaters, merino wool. Here's the problem with that. None of it was usable. None of it, because it hadn't been tended to, right? The fibers were so long. All of that wool is wasted, It's literally in a museum now. They couldn't do anything with it. 89.2. It's a Guinness World Record for the most amount of wool ever taken off of a sheep in a single shearing. It was more than half of his body weight. When they did this, as they were shearing him, he had skin burns on his flesh underneath all of that from where, and again, I'm not going to get super graphic here, but right, certain normal bo- bodily functions don't go according to plan right, when you're carrying around a load that you're not designed to carry, and you're a sheep. So skin burns, parasites. They had to anesthetize him because he was so skittish after six years of literally being on his own with no community, no people, no other sheep that they know of, was so skittish, that's part of why they had to to put him under in order to do this for his own good. The other thing is the, the weight of that wool on him was so heavy they had to be super careful because it was literally tearing his skin as they did this. Just the weight of it took like a whole team of people to do this to keep this guy from just being destroyed even as they were tending to him after all of that time. He couldn't, when they found him, he could barely walk. He couldn't see. 90 pounds. This is a lost sheep. This is a lost sheep. And when you start hearing all of those details, you realize that something that looks sort of cute and fluffy and almost funny is really incredibly dangerous. It's almost a miracle that this guy survived. Like literally, if he had stumbled, if he had flipped Right, if he had lost his balance even one time, and he's on his side, he's on his back, he's done. He lit- was literally not able to flip himself over. It was malnourished. It's a picture of a lost sheep, right? Nathan talked about this last week. The idea of lost, what that means, is literally on this trajectory towards destruction. That's a before and after of what he looked like, and what he should have looked like, had this sheep had a shepherd over the years. What a difference, right? So you think, say, Jay, you're spending an awful lot of time talking about a sheep on the other side of the world this morning. What is your point? And I want to just ask you for a second, when you look at that picture on the left, what happens inside of you? Like I said, if if I'm really honest, at first I'm kind of like, what? And then I just feel bad. Like you can see clearly that this is not how things are supposed to be. That is not what sheep are supposed to look like. But here's the reality, guys. This is, this morning, this is, this, is the, this is the word picture of what Nathan talked about last week. This is the picture of a lost sheep. We talked briefly about this last week. Right? Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. Every single one of us, whether you, uh, whether it's easy to admit this, the life, the if gathering piece was really super helpful for an intro to this, right? Even if this is uncomfortable to hear, you and I are an awful lot more like Chris than what we want to admit, right? Is our tendency is to get out and try to go do our own thing in our own way for our own amount of time and to say, listen, I don't really prefer to have anybody necessarily tend to me But when you take that sort of all the way out, this is what you end up with. You end up with as a sheep whose life is literally in peril. Day by day, moment by moment, this is basically a two-point sermon. All of us are sheep, like sheep, right? Scripture is incredibly clear on this. Read John 10. And without a shepherd for your soul, you are a lost sheep. And that condition, and again, Nathan talked about this last week, that condition, that thing in us that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go astray, goes all the way back to the garden, right? Adam and Eve are the first sheep to go astray inside the sheep pen called Eden. And so they go astray, they go their own way. And it's really interesting. I had never thought about this until earlier this week, if you read that account, Adam and Eve, they sin. Nathan literally just talked about this during worship. They sin, and they decide, you know what, we're going to tend to ourselves. We're going to try to shepherd ourselves, and we're going to do this our own way. We're going to be our own shepherds of our own souls. And they go, and they say, they come up with this plan. They make fig leaves, and they cover themselves. But here's the reality. If you keep reading that story, All the way back to Genesis 3, God is functioning as the good shepherd. All the way back to Genesis 3. All the way back there into that account, God is working, calling out, seeking out, calling after his sheep. The sheep of his his pasture, his flock. This is what it says in Genesis 3.8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? My sheep know my voice. He knew that if he called out to them that they would hear him. And he went looking for them. It's literally right after they've started going astray and he starts this process of looking for them. And he's doing the same thing today. For me and for you, God is still in the business of looking for lost sheep. He is still in the business of looking for sheep who don't yet have a shepherd. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at really two passages of Scripture that talk about not just how Christ, the, the sort of the business that he's going about, but the reality is this is, this is about more than just Jesus as a shepherd, right? We have a role in this now as disciples, as the body, as the church, right? As new life fellowship. There's something in this that we're called to. Not to, not to take Jesus' place as the shepherd, that's not what I'm saying, but I want to look at two different stories in the gospel where Jesus sees a group of people, perceives that they are like sheep without a shepherd and then calls his disciples to do something about it. Sound good? All right. So if you've got your Bibles, the first place I want to look at, this is in Mark 6. Right, this is a, a fairly familiar passage for a lot of you because this is the lead-in to the story about when Jesus feeds 5,000. And so I'm not going to read that entire part of this but basically what happens is, right, the apostles are gathering around Jesus. They had just come back from doing a whole bunch of awesome ministry and outreach. And they were sort of, you know, they're out doing what Jesus had sent them out to do. And So they come back and they're reporting back to Jesus. And they're like, oh, we're so tired. And it's, you know, we've got to get away. And, and we want to just be able to go and spend some time just and refresh, which is the right thing to do. It's a right thing to do. So Jesus says, all right. Come on, quiet place, let's go. And so starting in verse 32, it says, So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. It sounds like my kids, when I'm trying to get to someplace quiet, they run ahead and get there before I do. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He sees that these are people, these are lost sheep that need somebody to tend them. And what happens is, in the heart of Christ, there's a reaction. And that reaction is compassion. He's not upset with them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. He's not upset with them because they're wandering around without an aim or a purpose or a vision. His direction is not, hey guys, get it together. He has compassion on them. He says, Listen, I want to teach you. It's a picture of saying, of, of him revealing himself, of making himself known to them. It's a picture of invitation, of saying, Listen, I'm the good shepherd. I'm available to you. I want you to know me, that you might know my voice and follow after me, that I could lead you besides still waters and into green pastures, that I could comfort you and tend to you and mend broken places in you. And so he goes on, right? They hang out for a little while. That work takes a little bit of time to do that. And they hang out and it gets late. And now he's saying to the disciples, we've got to feed these guys. And the disciples initially like, what are you talking about? I can't do this. And what he's calling them to, right? If you read the rest of this story, I think we've looked at this before. Jesus says, You give them something to eat. Now, obviously, he plays a super huge part in that, right? He multiplies five loaves and two fishes. Jesus is not leaving them on their own to do this work, but he's calling the disciples to perceive these people the same way that he was and to let that perception cause some sort of reaction in them. Because here's what we know about the heart of God from Scripture. Right? Most kids start out with this in Sunday school. right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. He did something. That compassion inside of him, that emotion, that reaction of his perception of an entire world lost without a shepherd caused him to take action. And what he's doing in this passage is he's saying to the disciples, I want you to join me in this. I'm going to shepherd, but this is a work for us together of reaching out to these sheep who are lost, who do not have a shepherd. I want you to enter into that work with me. And you know what, guys? The call for us today is exactly the same. That this work of God reaching out, of him valuing and loving and caring for and desiring to tend to lost sheep, for whatever reason, in the heart and mind of God, it made sense for him to call us into that work with him. And so the fact that God values, loves, longs to, to tend to these sheep, he's looking for a transference of that same heart and mind to all of us. I gotta be honest, I'm I'm not I'm not completely there. Writing Corinthians, Paul talks about right this, the love that compelled Christ that, that should be the same that we should be under the same compulsion, the same engine that drove Jesus to do these sort of things. that he's looking to, to put that same sort of engine. I know that that's in me in measure. I know that that's in you in measure. But when I encounter lost sheep in the different spheres of my life, in my workplace, out and about, in my own family, my reaction to this point in my life is not always compassion. How about you? And this is, again, this isn't to lay a heavy. This is, let's, let's just take an honest stock of where we're at. All that says is, God still has work to do in me. And he still has work to do in you. But he's, looking, he's, he's willing to keep doing that work. The other story is in Matthew 9. And this is in Matthew 9, verse 35. And again, this is, I think, a somewhat familiar passage of Scripture. Into my Bible, the, the header over this It's called The Workers Are Few. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, here we go again, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's my question. Does this look like a guy that would be easy to harass in the wild? The picture here, that word, that that phrase, right? That That they were like sheep without a shepherd, that they were harassed and helpless. Other translations talk about this as being weary and worn out of being distressed and dispirited, of being hopeless, right? One of the commentaries I looked at, it's literally a picture of a sheep that's, been, that's gotten itself stuck in a hedgerow like of brambles and tried on its own to fight its way out. And all of the, the marring and the marking that goes on with that, the amount of effort and energy that it takes to do that, only to then leave that place and to be hunted down by some other animal of prey and finally to the place of saying, I just can't go on. Only Jesus is not looking at the outward condition of these people. When he's perceiving this in them, like so many other things, he's looking past the outward into an inward most place. Guys, here's the reality. What Jesus is, he's doing it again with the disciples, right? He's teaching them three things here. He's trying to get them to look at men, at this crowd, the same way that he does, right? To perceive each other the way that Christ is perceiving them. The disciples are sheep, but they are found sheep. They have a shepherd, They're following him everywhere he goes, hearing their voice, hearing his voice. Not always understanding it, but hearing it and going where he's going. And he's saying, I want you guys now to see how I'm seeing other sheep who don't yet know me, who don't yet have me as a shepherd. He's calling them into that same thing. I believe that he's trying to explain to them the why why in the world would he take time to try to feed 5,000? Why in the world would he try to take time to tend to all of these? It is, I do not believe God's desire for us to simply do the types of works that God did without also having an understanding of why he did the works that he did the way he did them. I no longer call you servants for a servant doesn't know his master's business. I call you friends his desire is to make his heart known and available that that same heart would become our heart motivation that's what he's trying to do here he's saying, listen do you see these guys i want you to see them the way that i see them and i want it to stir in you the same thing that it stirs in me and the third thing he's I believe he's trying to point out to them this is what you should do with it this is the action you should take in the last story in Mark, the action was, I want you to see them, I want it to stir something up in you, and I want you to feed them. I want you to meet a practical need. I want you to sow into their lives. Here he's saying, Listen, the work for you to do is to pray that God will send forth laborers to go gather up sheep and bring them back in. Right? We think of a harvest as this has got to be Christ is saying, I want you to pray about this work of gathering sheep into the sheepfold. The heart of God, when it gets stirred with compassion, can't, can't help but somehow take an action. Right? He's looking for that same heart motivation in us. Right, to transfer it. The same way that if you're a parent or a grandparent, right, you're trying to transfer certain things to the next generation. Right? You've got nieces or nephews. You're trying to transfer you know, your heart motivation to them right, that they might grab a hold of something. That's what Jesus is trying to do here. The heart of a shepherd right, transferred to us right, because lost people matter to God. This has been really convicting for me. I've got to be honest with you. I have pockets in my life where I operate like this. And I have pockets in my life where I do not. God's still transferring. And I'm trying not to wander away while he's doing that. He's working that in me. It's going to be a process. He's working it in you. It's going to be a process. I want to leave you with sort of these two thoughts. Today, if you're a lost sheep, if you don't have Jesus as a shepherd for your soul, I want you to hear something really clearly. That today is the day to come in and to let him tend to you and mend you, to lead you, right, to begin feeding you. And maybe you feel like, you know what, I can't even... I can't even get there. I'm stuck where I am. Then start with this. Just respond. Just let him know, Lord, here I am. Right? Here I am. You got to come get me. I need you to come because I can't get there. The place where I am, I'm stuck. I'm flipped over. (laughs) Whatever it is. Because the reality is, is that the same God who came looking in the garden, calling, where are you, Adam, is calling today. And if you hear his voice, I'm imploring you to respond. I'm imploring you to respond. Stop carrying what you're not designed to carry. Let him tend to you. He's the good shepherd. We've already talked about this this morning. John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's what this table is. Right? He's already made a provision for you to come home. It's already been done. The work is done. All you've got to do if you hear his voice this morning is to respond. And if you know Christ, my question to you is, is there some part that, that he's looking to tend that you're trying to shepherd? Is there some part of your life that you're trying to shepherd? And if so, bring that too. Lord, here it is. The reality is we can't shepherd our own souls the way that they need to be. We need Christ. He wants to draw you near this morning. He wants nothing more. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Some of you right now are carrying things in your lives that you are not designed to carry, just like Chris. not designed to carry that load. Your marriage is not designed to carry some of the things that it's carrying. Your family dynamic is not designed to carry some of the things that it's carrying. And so I don't care whether you do it in your seat, I don't care whether you wanna come forward, But if you hear the voice of the shepherd this morning, even just calling your name, you don't know what it looks like next, just respond. Lord, here I am. Come get me. Amen.